you know, we have a big battle against media in, in Hollywood, as you mentioned. And so sex, women are being exploited through sex and through abortion. And so I, you know, where are all, you know, women who are standing up for other women to say, hey, we need to stop this trend. And uh, so prayerfully, there'll be a, rev- you know, a revival there. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview. Welcome to Outstanding. This is the place where we have critical conversations about the news of the day and the ideas that shape us. All for the purpose of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, understanding the world that we live in as it actually is, so we can be forces of good in the world that God has placed us in, in the time that he has placed us in them. Now, we all know Abortion is one of the most contentious issues of our time. And while the debate about abortion is taking place in legislative bodies and in some cases on sidewalks in front of abortion clinics, the battle over babies' lives is often happening, maybe even mostly happening on the internet. Not in terms of public debates on social media, but ads that are reaching women in their moments of need and pointing them one direction or another. Now, in the same way that we all turn to the internet if we're looking for a book or maybe looking for instructions on how to change the headline on our car, women who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant do the same thing. They look to the internet to find out what to do. And what they find, or perhaps better said, who finds them, when they ask those questions is literally a matter of life and death. Joining me now to discuss the online battle for hearts, minds, and the lives of unborn babies is someone who's involved in that battle every day. Jeff Bradford is the president of Human Coalition, and he joins me today. Jeff, thanks for taking some time. It's an honor to be here with you today, and it's an honor to be in this work, um, being able to reach women online and bring them into a system of care is really the the greatest thing uh, that in my life that I've been able to be a part of. So it's certainly an honor and honor to be here with you today. Well, we're honored to tell some people about it. Now, I want to do a little history here if we can. We know Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973. Uh, thankfully, it was overturned in the Dobbs decision last year. Over those 50 years, a lot changed, though. How did the debate kind of at the street level over abortion change between um, the time that Roe versus Wade became law to the time it was appealed and what we're dealing with now? Well, we've seen since the overturning of Roe, really the pro-abortion side has become apoplectic. And, you know, with the advent of social media, and 24-7 news media, you, you know, people really are not talking to each other face-to-face. And uh, there's so there's so much vitriol, and it really has turned up after Roe v. Wade, this administration, uh, the attorneys generals across the United States, and the news media that's really giving a lot of false information to women and scaring women across the country. And so we saw a pendulum swing. Uh, we saw some apathy in the market. I think a lot of pro-life People uh, felt like winning Roe, the overturning of Roe was the 50-year goal, and that was one. In fact, I had one of my best friends say, hey, Jeff, what are you guys going to do now? You won. Like, it's it's over, right? And I said, no. I said, the fight has, you know, we're in a new chapter, uh, and the fight is even greater than it's ever been before. 
Do you think the abortion industry changed in that time? Because we often refer to Bill Clinton's famous, infamous statement that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. And that was in the 90s when he was running for president. We now see the left has moved on this issue where they want it to be kind of all the time, you know, under any circumstances, anytime, anywhere, and your neighbors is going to pay for it kind of a perspective. Is that fair characterization of, of how the abortion industry uh, and the abortion kind of pro-abortion movement has changed since Roe was first adopted? I mean, that's certainly what we've seen. You know, shout your abortion. It's no longer uh, hidden. It becomes this right for a woman to to have an abortion and not ever even consider the life in the womb, that there are actually two humans uh, that are involved in this situation. And so, it, it, you know, we've seen more and more a dehumanization of the child in the womb, but also the, the woman. And so shout my abortion and these rights. And yet, I will tell you, the average person, though, the, we reach those who are planning to abort. Our our outreach, our marketing is designed to, to find a woman who's searching online, looking to schedule an abortion, looking for a, the best price to have an abortion in the area near her. And 76% of those women who come into our, our care system tell us that they would prefer to parent if their circumstances were different. I mean, doesn't that break your That's totally not what the media says and what's assumed that every woman, her, her only choice is to have an abortion. So let's help her get that as fast as possible and and, and move on with their lives. And, and that's not what happens. And that is, that's an important, I think, foundational point to remember in this debate over abortion. That You say that 76% of women say they would prefer to parent if their circumstances were different. And still a majority of Americans, despite all the messaging around uh, the rights of women, um, how it's been framed and the right to abortion, most Americans even if they say they're pro-choice, they don't think abortion is good. And so there's this general understanding that abortion is kind of this necessary evil. Is that, a, is that a fair way of characterizing it, that it's just like, I don't like it, but it's better than the other alternative? Is that kind of the environment that you're finding women of in psychologically? Yeah, and, and we've seen since COVID and then the overturning of Roe v. Wade that women's outlook on life and, and jobs and security have, have become even more strained. And so that puts more pressure on women to think that abortion is their only option. And it's one of the reasons at Human Coalition, we've built out 7,000 organizations that we're able to bring to bear to help this woman who has no idea where to turn and just looking for somebody to stand in the gap for her and advocate for her of what she ultimately would prefer to do if there's just somebody that will help her. And, you know, you think about Planned Parenthood, you know, which is the largest abortion uh, giant in the world, $2 billion in revenue. Nobody's asking them, why are you not helping these women with housing and education and employment? If you're empowering women and 76% would prefer to parent, then why aren't we all working together to help that woman with an empowered choice? And that's what we do at, at Human Coalition and the pregnancy centers do around the country. 
let, let's talk about that a bit, Jeff, because you guys, I understand, primarily are engaged in this online. And we've all been on the internet and we've all run Google searches or whatever your search engine of choices. And I, I know that Google gets the most searches and YouTube gets the second most searches and YouTube is owned by Google. So in some ways it's the same place. How does that work for you guys? How do you cut through the fog? Because we've all been on the internet, we understand like the, the deluge of information that we get uh, when we go looking for something. And immediately when we type in shoes, we're now hit by ads for all of these shoe companies because they think we're, we're interested, they've got a fish on the line, and they're going to try to reel us in. How do you operate in that environment as somebody who's trying to take somebody who may have typed in words that suggest they're looking for an abortion? How do you redirect them? Oh, it's a great question. Um, and you're right. The battle is online and primarily with Google. It's the most effective way. And yet our costs since Roe v. Wade have doubled and tripled and in some markets quadrupled. So your cost um, for ads, is that what you mean by that? Our cost for ads. Yeah. The cost to reach a woman and bring her into a system of care. So we're you know, we're competing against the abortion uh, clinic for for her to click on our ad versus the abortion ad and and bring her in under a medical doctor and a and a licensed nurse's care to really give her a consultation on all of her choices. And it, it's an unbiased choice of just, hey, here's here's what an abortion, what that procedure looks like. Here's choices for life and even adoption. And about 45% of the time, the woman will choose life. But the other times, she will choose to go all, uh, ahead and go with the abortion. And we're going to love her either way. And we're going to provide and give her the help and hope that she needs. And our service is what we call continuum of care, those 7,000 resource partners. We're going to offer her those, whether she aborts or not. And sometimes when they abort, they need more help. Uh, because they're they're going like my wife and I, um, you know, when we were engaged to be married, uh, we got pregnant and I went to my father who uh, loved and, and we would have believed that we were Christians, but we got terrible advice and uh, we ended up taking the life of our first daughter. And it it is a choice that you can never take back, man. And it is a choice that haunts it has haunted us for now 30 years. And um, it's a choice that that you we wish we had had somebody like Human Coalition or a pregnancy center in areas just to stop for a moment to say, hey, this is your child. You can choose life and it will be OK. And so that's what I what what my passion comes from now um, is is helping men and women who are in the same situation find some hope and help and make an empowered decision. And we're going to love them either way, but we sure hope they'll choose life. Yeah. I think everybody can relate to kind of the, the challenge associated with an unexpected pregnancy for somebody who doesn't feel prepared to be a parent, can't afford right. it financially, may not have a dad in the picture who's really going to be supportive of mom and the baby. It feels like a really bad time, all sorts of complications. What piece of information, and you said there that 45% of women, when they face your ad, you can get them to kind of change their minds. Um, mm -hmm. What information do you find is most likely to change the way they're thinking about the situation? 
You know, it really comes back to that 76%, the women who, who feel like and have been told by the abortion industry and the media that abortion is their only choice to flourish in life, to be to continue on. And the problem with that is, is they know and we know that they walk out of the abortion clinic with the same problems and issues that they walked into it with, except now they have to live with the fact that they have yeah. aborted their child. And so it really is the, the continuum of care type services uh, that women need to have someone that can walk with them through the pregnancy, walk with them through helping them find the resources and the and the tangible help that they need. And so our, you know, a lot of them are around financial issues, like they lost their job, They're, they may be out of, uh, you know, temporarily out of housing and, and education. So we have experts that basically are, are social workers that help women find these needed resources and we walk with them as long as they want to walk with us and we walk them through healing and hopefully back engaging to their their local church to a community that will surround them for long-term uh, discipleship for long-term community involvement and engagement so she can become that flourishing mom now jeff i'm sure you've heard someone say that you're not really pro-life you're just pro-birth you just want the baby born, and after it's born, you don't care about it anymore. What's your response to that, and to the church generally, the pro-life world? Well, it's absolutely not true. For 50 years, people have been helping women. Uh, pregnancy centers have done a, a great job, and, and we, we believe we can do more together. You know, Human Coalition brings a unique uh, expertise, and, and, you know, we fill some gaps because of the way that we work and the scale at which we work. But People have been trying to help women for now over 50 years, and the church has always been involved in that. But, you know, I will say, and, and it comes back to what I mentioned before, is no one mentions that about the abortionist. Why are the abortionists only profiting off the, the death of the child and not actually helping women? Again, going back to Planned Parenthood, they, they, they're twice the size of the whole pro, pro-life movement just in the, of themselves. Why are they, why is nobody talking to them about actually empowering women with the help and hope that they need at, with these types of continuum of care? And so, you know, we'll stand all day to say, hey, we help women and we're going to help them in any and every way we can to become that flourishing mom. But we're up against uh, Planned Parenthood, the media, and culture that's downstream really of this issue. And so we, our mission is to make abortion unthinkable the way that we think about human slavery today. And we believe that will be how Americans think that we'll look back on this and say, how could we have ever taken the life of a child? But we also wanna make it unnecessary, not that we believe it's necessary, but the woman believes it's necessary. And so how do we help her? And it comes around these, tangible uh, wraparound services. Jeff, what you do online in this battle for abortion is really a, uh, in, in historical terms, a newer um, battlefield on this issue. Technology will continue to change and evolve. AI is grabbing headlines all over the place. How do you foresee this battle for hearts and minds and then also for the lives of babies changing and evolving as technology changes and evolves? 
Well, for the pro-life movement and human coalition, you know, we see it evolving, helping us to be more effective at a human-to-human interaction. Uh, if you look at the chatbot that the, the news has come out with Planned Parenthood and the pro-abortion activists and Cecil Richard, it's another example of how transactional the pro-abortion movement is. Let's just get you into a non-human interaction that we can get you into abortion clinic and take the life of your child as fast as possible with this least amount of human interaction. And so we believe the efficiencies that are brought on by technology and AI should help us serve more women, but we also want to make sure that we do that in a way that's that's human to human and that we understand there's a life at risk. And these women have hearts and souls and minds that need to be ministered to, and they're in a very difficult place. So just giving them technology alone uh, is not the answer. But technology will be one of the ways. I mean, is that primarily the way this debate happens now? I mean, because, again, one of the things we talked about on the program before is chemical abortion and how Mm -hmm. the majority of abortions now are taken through pills, essentially, are, are performed through pills in many cases, depending on the state. You don't even have to ever be in the room with the doctor that prescribes this. There's this online consultation, which may or may not even include some kind of video. And the doctor says, sure, or some medical provider, not even a doctor says, sure, here's some pills. The woman who gets it maybe hundreds or thousands of miles away from the person who prescribed it, sent it to them through the mail. Nobody in that woman's life has any idea that any of this is happening. And so many abortions, if not most abortions these days are taking place in complete isolation without ever having real interaction uh, with another person. Is that a trend that's going to continue? It is. And and estimates are showing that by 2024, over 70% of all abortions will be through chemical abortion. So it's a growing fat. Um, and it's this administration and, and our and others have made this much easier for women to get coming in from out of the country through their mail. And so that's why we have to be online. You're right. The, the battle is online when women are searching for a chemical abortion. And that's why at Human Coalition, we believe our our outreach and telecare is so important because Again, what we want to do is reach as many women as we can at scale and bring them into a system of care because they have a negative utility. They believe that abortion is their only option, but when they understand what services and help is available, then that's when we get to the truth, that they would prefer not to have an abortion, but they're scared, they need help, and this is why we have to combine technology with human relationships in order to be able to serve that woman well and educate her on the risks and, um, you know, uh, of the chemical abortion. We get women who call us with an abortion pill in hand that are scared to death, don't have any idea what's going to happen to them, or they've taken one and they regret it and they want to figure out if there's a way to reverse it. And, and we are we know and love and appreciate those sidewalk counselors who have 
stood outside abortion clinics and prayed and sometimes talked to women, in many cases successfully, and saving the lives of those babies who are about to be killed. And, and I think at the same time, in many ways, saving the lives of the mother uh, and just psychologically what was going to happen in the future. But also realizing that the sidewalk counseling of today, in many cases, orders of magnitude, more conversations and interactions are not taking place on physical sidewalks. They're taking place on virtual sidewalks as, as, as women through the internet are kind of exploring the outside of an abortion clinic and wondering whether to go in and make this thing happen and, and essentially just get these prescription drugs. So for those of you who, you know, may not have ever been outside of an abortion clinic to do that kind of sidewalk counseling. One of the ways you can do the virtual sidewalk counseling is support people like the Human Coalition who are making that happen, who are doing that that virtual sidewalk counseling. Jeff, there's another thing I want to talk about here is just kind of the broader um, psychological, like, impact of abortion and, and maybe not even the impact, but what's leading to this crisis that we have. You mentioned that you want... Uh, to one day see a world, and we all do, where abortion is unthinkable. But it seems to me, uh, and I want I've had this working theory that I want you to respond to because you deal with a lot more people on the ground uh, than I do. But it, it seems to me that the whole need for abortion is is because the culture has been convinced that sex makes you happy. And that abortion is essentially seen as a necessarily evil, and it's essentially um, medication for happiness. And the, and the argument goes something like this. You can't be happy without sex, and pregnancy is an unavoidable consequence of sex. It's not reasonable to tell someone not to have sex, because if they don't do that, then they're not going to be happy. Therefore, we need these abortion drugs as a fallback plan to just make sure that people can continue to pursue their happiness through sex. Do you think that's a, a fair characterization of where a lot of these women are, or am I missing the boat on that? No, I don't think you're missing the boat at all. You know, our culture has become so sexualized that um, it, it, abortion is the last form of birth control. So it has been normalized, it's been accepted. Um, and through the media and others that are complicit in saying, hey, you know, abortions are are safer than than a pregnancy. Uh, the abortion pill, the chemical abortions are safer than Tylenol. This is what women are hearing, and we know those are not true, but they're being lied to. And so we see so many women uh, who see us that are almost in uh, sex, for young men and women have become such a normal uh, activity outside of marriage. And and there's deep consequences to that. And we're seeing it across the country. Uh, Planned Parenthood is really about contraception and empowering women to be as freely sexual as, as men and uh, without having to have the same, uh, you know, ramifications. So I agree with you. And, and I guess the question then is, how do you convince a, the next generation of young people that sex doesn't make you happy? The, the fact is, the social science data is actually overwhelming on this, on, on this point. Hookup culture does not make people happy. It makes people miserable. There's a reason why on college campuses, the two most commonly prescribed drugs are birth control and antidepressants. 
because mm-hmm. the thing that leads you to need birth control also leads you to need antidepressants because we weren't just wired to to give ourselves away in that way and we're in and we're fighting nature in significant ways but we're also fighting hollywood i think and all of these messages that has as the 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 every story the climax of every story is essentially oh and now they had sex and they lived happily ever after and we're just lying to people Young people in particular who then are now and they're all walking around um, walking testimonies to the fact that that doesn't actually make you happy because they're really, really unhappy. But in the messaging war, we've got a long way to go, I think. There's no doubt. I mean, I think that is such a great point. I think there's a couple of things. One, um, we won't make abortion unthinkable without the church uh, diving into this and addressing both abortion and sex outside of marriage. Um, you know, we have a big battle against media and, and Hollywood, as you mentioned. And so sex, uh, women are being exploited through sex and through abortion. And so, I, you know, where are all, you know, women who are standing up for other women to say, hey, we need to stop this trend. And uh, so yeah. prayerfully, there'll be a, rev- you know, a revival there. Yeah. Back on the technological war that we're facing, um, We've seen in very recent years, like the last two years, this has become a trend where state legislatures are beginning to require age verification for pornography websites. And it's something that honestly, as I as I have thought about it, surprises me this hasn't happened before um, with much greater frequency because there's actually broad bipartisan support for this. You don't have to be blue or red or Democrat or Republican to think that 13-year-olds shouldn't be able to get access to hardcore pornography whenever they want it. So there's broad support for this. And I'm encouraged by that because the response to that is, you know, sites like Pornhub have said, well, we're not going to we're not going to be in these various states and to which everyone says, amen. That's the whole goal, right? So there, there seems like victory. Are there things that pro-life state legislatures can do because we're seeing a great division in the states on the abortion issue. Are there things that can be done legislatively that can change the debate online so that women are not being lured as easily into an abortion decision? You know, I think there are. I think there's great things that can be done. You know, our, our focus primarily has been on the intervention uh, both the supply and demand of abortion. And so our programs really with states are, and we believe there is there is a reach problem uh, in the states. We've got to reach more women at scale and bring them into a system of care to change the hearts and minds of women that there is really people out there to, to help them through that decision. And so that to me is a tipping point. And so we're working with states that are have restricted ab- abortion where we provide the, the the marketing to women, bringing them into a system of care, and then this holistic and comprehensive uh, continuum of care that I mentioned. And so that's one model. We're also looking at how do we stop chemical abortion uh, by getting into the states and into the mailboxes, and those are some of the areas. But I do believe, to your point, that we've also got to look at some of these other areas that are creating the demand for abortion. And uh, those are those are some areas that we should explore uh, more more deeply. 
Jeff, I've been on your website and you have lots of testimonies of women and babies whose lives have been changed for the better because of the work that you've done. Give us some good news. Tell us a good a story of somebody that you've just interacted with and, and how their life has been changed for the better because uh, they found some truth in a sea of lies. You know, we, we serve over about 45,000 women a year, and we have a survey at the end of, of our service to them. And 97% of the women who come through our doors say that they would refer a friend or family member to us. And those are ones that go off to have the abortion or and ones that choose life. And the most rewarding thing to me is that being able to see or hold the child of, of a, that would have otherwise been snuffed out had we not worked to, to rescue her life. And so there's thousands of partners across the United States that support our work uh, to help us make that difference. And those moms come back to us and say, I can't believe I was thinking about aborting this child. This is the m most incredible thing we've ever, she's ever been a part of. And, and, uh, and so glad that she has her baby. And so those stories are replicated thousands of times every year that moms, we had a mom who was homeless uh, that we helped. And uh, she just last year got her first home, uh, bought her first home. And so we see when we can stand in the gap and empower women, they are incredibly resilient and incredible folks that just need a little helping hand. And uh, we will do that and we see that flywheel turning. And uh, we believe that one day we, we will see abortion that's unthinkable and unnecessary here in America. In James's gospel, he reminds, or James's letter, I should say, he reminds us that pure and undefiled religion before God is to look after orphans and widows in their need. And Jeff, you and the Home Human Coalition are doing that. And of course, you're not doing it alone. You're just part of a network of thousands of organizations and churches that are, that are doing that. And it really is what the church, I think, exists to do in, in significant ways. And your work and the work of the church broadly, and we made this point, but it's worth saying again, is a rebuttal, is a living rebuttal to the nonsense that pro-lifers don't care about babies after they're born. There are literally hundreds of billions of dollars given philanthropically every year by the church in order to take a care of people after they are born and to make their lives better. And it's frankly exactly what we're supposed to be doing and you're doing it. But Jeff, uh, somebody listening today is, uh, is excited and maybe uh, provoked to love and good works by what you're doing and saying, you know, maybe I need to do more. Um, how can people get involved in uh, the network that you're helping to lead? Well, we'd certainly love people to check out our website at huco.org. But there are there are so many ways you can get involved. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is trying to educate and activate the American church. And so my wife and I helped start a church. I was an executive lay pastor and my wife was a worship leader. And for 17 years, we led church, we sat in the pews, but no one talked about abortion. And we felt like because of that, it was the unforgivable sin. So, you know, we want to encourage pastors and church leaders to get involved in the pro-life movement and get their congregations active and engaged and understanding what's at stake here. And so uh, there's so much great work. If, you, if there are local pregnancy centers in your town, you please support them. But get engaged, get involved. And that's on our website, lots of ways to get involved with us and that we can also help you get involved in your local communities. 
Jeff, we are really so grateful for your work, and, and I will encourage people to go there. Uh, HUCO.org, which stands for the Human Coalition. Check it out. Um, but wherever you are, um, it's just, you know, y- you can't do what Jeff does, and I can't do what Jeff does. We can't all do what you do, but we can all do what God has called us to do. And in this big s- um, scheme of a broken world that we all live in, right, it's we are the church with many We are one body, we are many members, and God has given each one of us something to do. And when we all walk in what God has created us to do, uh, the church has the, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to do uh, all that God has intended for us to do. And it's just our job to do what our job is and, and not necessarily project that onto uh, our, somebody else's calling onto ourselves. But if we are all obedient, uh, we will get a lot done. Uh, God will be glorified. People will be served. The kingdom will advance. And that's just our job. So I hope this has encouraged you. Uh, and inspired you to just find out what is God asking you to do today uh, to be a solution to all the pain in the world uh, that one day, uh, thanks be to God, will ultimately be done away with. But Jeff Bradford, thank you so much for your time today and also the work that you do at the Human Coalition. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. And friends, we thank you for joining us in this conversation and for being part of it. As always, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, um, you can reach us at outstanding at WashingtonStand.com. Do, uh, if you've learned something in this episode, share it with a friend because they will as well. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next one. We look forward to the next one. Until then, I'm Joseph Battle. And this has been Outstanding. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.